All right, good evening. How are we all? Good, good, that's good. I, I like the simplicity of that video. You know, it, normally we have these big raging videos to open up our series, and this one's been like nice and quiet and kind of like takes you, transports you to that campground where you went to with as, as a family and your dad's there putting the marshmallows on and burning half of them and then you'll be, be right. Um, but I just love that simple image of the coal being brought into the, the, bigger, the bigger fire. And that's the whole point of the um, I'm in series is that I'm in, I'm in with everybody else. Um, and so we find ourselves at uh, week three of the series. I've, been, I've personally been really enjoying the series. I hope you guys have as well. And tonight we are going to be uh, talking about how I am and you are influential. Uh, how we're influential in the, to the people around us, how that we all have influence. Um, so as I was preparing for tonight, I thought it would be good to do an influence audit on myself uh, to see how much of an influencer I have become over the last few years. Uh, now, I'm not aware of myself ever going viral, as the, the kids say. Um, my pictures on Facebook and Instagram, the ones that have the most likes, generally have my wife or my child in them, and not me. Um, but I, I, I know that there's been a few times where I've been uh, mistaken for someone of significant standing. I was at a concert a number of years ago up in Auckland, and this person came up to me, and they were completely convinced that I was the drummer from 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, if you don't know who that band is, they're, they're a popular American band. Uh, as much as I tried to plead with this person and tell them, no, I am not this person, they wouldn't hear a bar of it and wouldn't let me alone for the rest of the evening. Uh, just this week, actually, as I was thinking about this, this talk and talking with a few people, uh, Brittany, uh, who's on staff with us, actually sent me this picture that uh, will show up in a second uh, from uh, Graham Norton. And somehow, and she asked me with the question, like, did you sneak away to the UK in the last couple of weeks and secretly appear on Graham Norton in the roots here? I know we wave the same. Um, and it's the real reason I shaved my beard. But uh, no, that is not me. Uh, but as I was uh, getting ready to uh, Google myself, as you do, if you're doing an influence audit, uh, I was reminded of a situation that happened to me uh, a number of years ago while I was um, visiting some friends in Australia. Uh, we had gone to this historic village, and uh, I was sitting and I was watching a uh, boiled sweet demonstration. As you do when you go to these types of places, it's, it's that or marching. Uh, so... So I went for to the boiled sweet one, and uh, I was sitting there watching this thing. Uh, by the way, Hayden, you can take that picture off the screen now, because people are just going to get more confused, especially if I keep doing this. Um, uh, and I was sitting there watching this thing, and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed an Asian gentleman uh, taking photos of me. Now, I have not had much experience with the paparazzi. Uh, before, uh, and so I made that fatal rookie mistake of making eye contact with the person, which of course is an invitation for them to come closer and take more photos, uh, and this person did that. Uh, it was only when the person was like a, a meter and a half in front of me that I thought things were a little bit weird, a little bit off, um, but this time he actually asked me if I was okay with him taking a picture of me, and when I say that, it was really more of a, uh-huh, and I was, sure, uh, and he took some more pictures and then, and then left. Very bizarre situation, very bizarre thing that happened. And so you can imagine my disappointment uh, when I came to Google myself this week and I was not greeted with my face on a billboard somewhere in China. <laughs> to whoever that person, in who, who person is, wherever you are, and you took those photos, I'd like to see them. Um, but how many of us, if we're, if we're honest, have had that moment where we have Googled ourselves? 
Come on, there's more than that. And how many of us were disappointed by the fact we didn't discover that we were secretly related to the queen or have some kind of fame? Come on, honesty hour, guys. I like interaction. All right, none of you disappointed. All right, you're way more self-confident than I am. But uh, I, I want to ask the question as we, before we go into tonight and we're talking about influence, how many of you think that you're an influencer? A couple of hands. All right. So my goal uh, tonight is to change uh, your opinion and your assessment about yourself and help you see that you are, in fact, an influencer. Uh, but before we get too far into things, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this place and these people, and I thank you for what an incredible night we've had in your presence already. My prayer is simple. I pray that I don't get in the way of what it is you want to do here tonight. May you speak your truth. May you bring your freedom and may each and every single one of us come away from this place seeing that how through you we have influence and we can be an influencer for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, like I said, we are in week three of our I'm In series. We've been working through four big themes. Uh, in week one, we discovered that we are invited, that regardless of how we may feel about ourselves, uh, the things that we have done in our lives, we are invited into Christ's kingdom. Uh, and likewise, you're invited here into this place. You are home. You are welcome. Uh, week two, we, uh, Rob brought the message about I'm invaluable, uh, how you're precious and unique and wonderful, and uh, nothing will ever change that. It's the way God sees you, and it's the way uh, we as brothers and sisters in Christ see each other, should see each other as well. You are an invaluable part of this. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about how you are and I am uh, influential for God's glory. And then next week, like Rob talked about, we're going to take a break because David Pierce is going to be here with us. Uh, but the week after that, Monica will be sharing about how we are invested in God's work. Um, tonight, I really believe that you need to see yourself as God sees you, that you are an influencer. I believe uh, each and every single one of us is called to be a light in this world and to show the love of God day in and day out. Um, I'll give you one statement that we'll look at again and again. You're going to hear me say it quite a few times, and I pray and I hope that it sinks in and wakes you up at 2 a.m. in a hot flash, being like, this is that thing. Um, but it really stinks into your heart, and you'll embrace the reality of this truth. And that is that you have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change someone's life. You have no idea how God might use one word, one moment, or one generous expression in the life of another person to love them towards the grace of Jesus. When I asked you earlier how many of you see yourself as an influencer and most of you didn't raise your hand, the reason I believe is truly because uh, culture has hijacked the term influencer. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. I did some research to try and figure out uh, what different articles and writers would say about influencers. And when I typed in, what is an influencer? The very first definition that came up online was that an influencer is an individual who has power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. Really? That's what an influencer is? When I was growing up, uh, an influencer was a good teacher. Uh, a coach, uh, a good parent was an influencer, a good friend was an influencer, someone who led in kids' church was a, a, an influencer. And today, unfortunately, culture has hijacked the term, and many people would say, well, an influencer is a celebrity. 
a content creator on YouTube, or someone who's amassed a great number of followers on social media. In fact, I gave up looking for an article online that talked about an influencer as anything other than someone on social media, because honestly, I couldn't find one anywhere. What I want to try to do today is, is I want to try and reclaim the word influencer. And I want uh, you to see yourself as an influencer because you have no idea how God could use one word of encouragement, one moment, or one expression of faith to change someone else's life. For those of you that are disciples of Jesus, and I'm very aware uh, that not everybody is at this point, and no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, or if you may not even be on one, you're absolutely Welcome here. Uh, But for those of you who are disciples of Jesus, I want to show you exactly what Jesus says you are. In Matthew, he uses two metaphors. Matthew 5, he says, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt purifies, salt preserves, salt adds flavor. Nudge your neighbor. Say, hey, you're kind of salty. Now turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, hey, you're kind of shiny. Jesus says that you're salt, and then Jesus also says you're the light of the world. You're shiny. You're salty. You're shiny. The scriptures read that a town uh, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on stands and give it to everyone in the house. It shines. Darkness can never overcome the light. And Jesus says that you, we, us are the light. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others. Let your love influence people towards Jesus. Let your light shine and they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt, light, salty, shiny. As I was was preparing and reflecting on these verses, I felt the need to add a little extra bit into this because it's all nice and good. We can get on board with the salt and light thing. It's nice, pleasant imagery. But I think it's really easy for us as Christians. We can be too salty and too bright, you know, to the point where it's burning our retinas. Uh, But likewise, we can be uh, undersalted, or a bit dim, and I mean dim in the illumination sense, not the, the other one. Um, just this week, some of you may have seen or heard about in the news this week that Brian Tamaki's wife, Hannah Tamaki, uh, was dropped from being part of the Dancing with the Stars crew. And uh, Kano Lloyd, uh, one of the hosts on uh, the project, had made some comments on the show about the whole situation, sharing why she thought it had been a good decision by the organizers. I'm not going to repeat the comments because really they don't matter. What breaks my heart is what happened with the response to what she said. Uh, I was hearing from someone who works at the project and they were the person who was having to process emails and texts that were coming in in response to what um, had happened on the show. And some of the most vile comments and messages were coming from pastors and Christians across our country, absolutely ripping this poor girl to to pieces. We can be too salty. We can be too bright to the point that it hurts others. But we can also be under and dim. I think a great analogy uh, to help us kind of wrap our heads around this uh, is the wonderful gift of Marmite. Now, I know 
that there are some people here who are discrediting me as a preacher right now because I'm a fan of Marmite. It's okay. Jesus loves you still too. But for the purpose of this little analogy, every time I say Marmite, you just think Vegemite and you'll be fine. All right? There you go, Ben. But I think Marmite is a a great analogy for this because um, there is nothing better than the perfect piece of Marmite toast. Am I right? And there is something about the Kiwi cultural experience that teaches you what that is, how to achieve that. Am I right? So it starts with the perfectly toasted bit of bread that's been in there just long enough to not burn, but is rigid hard, Vogels in particular. Or if you're needing to have some kind of alternative, you know, there's lots of different options these days. That bit of bread is your, is your great foundation. Then you lather that bad boy up with some butter or butter alternative. Then somehow some, something inside you just knows how much Marmite to get on that knife. You know you're going to get a bunch in your hands regardless of how carefully you try and get in and out of the jar. But you know just the perfect amount that needs to be on that knife to make that perfect spread on your bit of toast, right? And you bite into it and, oh, it's glorious. You also know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a bit of Marmite toast, which has got way too much Marmite on it, right? That tends to be your first experience or encounter with Marmite as a New Zealanders giving it to you like, <laughs> sucker. You also know what it's like when you've received a bit and it just doesn't have enough. It's like a hint. There's like a gray smear on the bit of bread. And you're like, what is this? Living out salt and light is like the perfect bit of Marmite toast. It takes balance. It takes nuance. And very easily we can fall one or other side of this. We have three options with this. We can either be the perfect amount we can be barely taste and barely seen, or we can be overwhelmingly in people's faces to the point of causing harm and damage. Marmite is best when applied in moderation. And I know now that there's a number of people at home on the live stream who are going to the kitchen. Right. They're putting their toast in, and I am jealous of you. Let's reclaim the true meaning of what it is to be an influencer. And uh, let me be clear, I'm not against uh, influencers and culture. I I am on social media. I want to be an influencer on social media. I've tried. I've tried the cat thing. I've tried pedal boards. I've tried guitars. I've tried scriptures and all sorts. I'm going to get there one day, maybe. Uh, But I hope that some of you here tonight sitting here will be influencers as well, that God will give you an incredible reach uh, with your content. But the problem with our current view on influence is that it typically starts with platform. The size of your platform determines the scope of your influence. But I I think truthfully it actually starts with something different. I believe that true and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. It always starts with people, and the good news is that all of you have people in your sphere of influence that you can come in contact with every single day. You are called to be an influencer. So who has influenced you? Because it's an important two parts of this. You can be an influencer, but also take, take time to reflect on the people that have influenced you. And so what I want to do is, is to kind of complete the picture of how I, Bernie Cowan, uh, wound up in front of you tonight. Because I think it's very easy to think that the person on stage just arrives, just apparated into a community with the ability to talk, to share, and to teach. Uh, repaired by God, and then exported out to wherever they needed. Which is true. I have ended up here in front of you because of how God has and continues to transform my life. But that is also incredibly incomplete. 
You see, there are hundreds of people out there who have influenced me in a significant way that ultimately led me here. I'm here because Monica Carey and the rest of the Sunday night team took a gamble on me a few years ago and let me preach for the first time. I'm here because David Pierce and my extended Steiger family, who will be with us next week, led me on a journey into the missionary world and opened my eyes and heart to the power of sharing the gospel to the lost. I'm here because on a missions trip with Windsor Park Youth, the youth pastor at the time, Ben, saw potential in me and encouraged me to apply for the associate youth pastor role, which I was successful in, and for the next three years, I learned how to lead and how to care. I'm here because when I was working as an assistant chaplain, my chaplain Ian Gao and the rest of the team allowed me to share talks at chapel services, talks that they worked on with me and helped me practice again and again. I'm here because when I was a teenager, I had numerous leaders in my youth group that showed me that you can be a Christian and not a complete weirdo. (laughs) That although they had their flaws and were young, they honestly and genuinely helped me wrestle with faith at a young age. I'm I'm here because when I was a kid, our children's pastor, Elka, would give us times in the program where we would lie down and have conversations with Jesus to try and hear his voice. And it was through these sessions, these times, that I heard two powerful words or images that have stuck with me ever since. The first was, you are my hammer, build my church. The second was, you are my general, lead my people. I'm here because my parents, John and Naomi Cowan, took me along to church each week and were real about their faith. They also brought me the Jesus movie on VHS, and I would watch that thing on repeat. So I hope you see that, yes, God has led me here, but he has used so many people to influence me. And you have no idea what one word of encouragement might do to influence someone else. Here's what I hope you'll understand. Influence isn't always obvious. Influence isn't always instant. Just because you don't see a harvest doesn't mean that your seed didn't take root. You have no idea how God might use you in one moment to plant a seed that will grow into a real and lasting influence in the life of someone you love. In fact, I want to show you a story today one of, the most, of one of the most unlikely influences perhaps in the entire New Testament. The story takes place in John 4, and it's about a woman that nobody ever thought would have influence. The context of the story is this, that Jesus was on a trip and on his journey, he was going to pass through Samaria which is an unusual choice. The disciples wouldn't have expected him to do so because the Jews didn't interact with the Samaritans. The Samaritans. Because the Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They believed that they were less than human and worse than dogs. You would never interact with a Samaritan if you were a Jew, especially a Samaritan woman. Well, Jesus, once again, changes it up, shocks everybody. And he sits down by this well in the middle of the day in order to rest. And a Samaritan woman comes up to him and asks, and Jesus asks her for a drink. He dignifies her by starting a conversation and she is completely thrown off guard. Scripture says in verse nine that the woman was surprised, that she's shocked and overwhelmed. She's beside herself. She never had expected this to ever happen in her life. It is completely unheard of. No Jewish man would ever approach a Samaritan woman. It was weird and and bizarre and it was shocking because for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? 
Jesus replies with love and you can feel his love through the words that he shares. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's intrigued, but confused. And she says, sir, but you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. How can I get you water? And Jesus replies in verse 13, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I give will never be thirsty again. This woman notices something is different about the man. And she says, please, sir, may I have some living water? Jesus says in verse 16, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. There wasn't a Jewish man who would have interacted with this woman. But Jesus approaches her with love in his heart and dignifies her, honors her all the time knowing that she was an outcast in her own community. Divorced five times and living with another guy? In this day and age, that would raise eyebrows. In that day and age, she would have been shunned. She would have been the woman that everybody whispered, stay away from her. Keep your husband away from her. She's nothing but bad news. And Jesus, knowing all that, doesn't look, to her, look at her as an immoral woman, but instead as a miracle waiting to happen. Knowing that a touch from heaven could completely change her heart. And it dawns on her, wait a minute. We've heard that there is a Messiah coming. I've heard about this man that's doing miracles and raising the dead and opening blind eyes. Would, why would a Jewish man speak to me? Show me honor and respect and know everything about my life. Perhaps this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one that we've been praying for. Perhaps this is the Messiah. The Bible says it directly that the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody, come and see the man who has told me everything I ever done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? What happens next? The people come streaming out of the village to Jesus. What do we see in this powerful story? First of all, that no matter how bad your life is messed up, you're not too far gone for the love of Jesus to reach into your life. Just what Rob shared in the last two weeks. Then we see the town outcast, the one that everybody else would whisper about, go in and enthusiastically telling people that this guy may be the one to save us. The broken, the messed up woman, the woman that everybody whispered about, the one that had been called the immoral woman immediately becomes an influencer. Her story shows us that you don't have to have it all together to influence someone else towards Jesus. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to pray powerful prayers and be able to quote the exact place in the Bible that that verse you mentioned comes from. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the things fixed in your life to be an influence. You just have to know who Jesus is and care about the people around you. And you can immediately be a light in this world and salt to those around you. You just have to care about people. You don't need 4,000 people to have a platform. You just need to care about the person right in front of you. You are an influencer. What I want to do now is I want to tell you two stories. One that I got to be part of and one that I wasn't. But they're both stories about everyday people influencing the lives of others. 
The first comes to us from back in 2004, about a 10-year-old girl called Tilly Smith, who, uh, before going on holiday with her family at Christmas, had learnt about tsunamis in her classroom by her geography teacher. When she saw the warning signs that a tsunami was about to hit the beach that her family were holidaying at, she ran up and down the beach, yelling and screaming and warning as many people as she possibly could. After the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004, her beach was the only beach on record to submit no casualties whatsoever. A 10-year-old girl saved over 100 lives acting upon information that she had been given from a teacher that had influenced her. A couple of years ago, I was helping lead uh, kids at a kids' camp over at Totara Springs. And we had had a week... And you have this at every single camp where there's a few kids that require extra effort and extra attention. And this week had been one of those where a particular girl had required extra attention from all of us, including her leaders. And uh, it came to the last day and our leaders did the best job they could just loving on her and caring for her and making sure she had a good time. And the day came for her to be picked up. And I remember watching the mom walking her daughter out and every single leader that she encountered on her way out from camp said, see you later. We miss you. We love you. We hope you have a great time or have had a great time. And as the mom is walking through and hearing uh, these, these beautiful messages directed at her daughter, she just starts to weep. She begins to weep because of the influence that these young people have had on her daughter and now having on her, because she knows that her daughter is returning to a place absent of that kind of love and influence. You don't have to know it all. You just have to let your light shine. You just let salt do what salt does. You have no idea how one word of encouragement, one word of hope, one expression of love might influence someone towards Jesus. This woman from our story goes back to the village and tells everybody and the disciples come back to Jesus and the scriptures say that they were hungry. They said, Jesus, have you, have you eaten? And Jesus goes spiritual on them and says, my food is to do the will of God. And I like that. It's kind of in the face. It's like, you're hungry? Well, I'm doing the will of God and that's sustaining me. But it, Anyways, he says this, that the field is ripe for harvest. He uses this farming metaphor, and the harvest is always about transform lives and change lives. And he said the field is ripe for harvest, but the laborers are few. And I wonder if this speaks to us tonight, and for our purpose here at BBC and here in Tauranga, we could say it this way. We could say the field is ripe for harvest, but the influences are few. Don't let culture rob you from your calling by categorizing influences as someone only on social media. It doesn't start with platform. It always starts with the person right in front of you. You are an influencer. This woman goes back to her town. She tells everybody. The next part of the story says that in verse 39 that many Samaritans, which was crazy to think that any, even one Samaritan would come to know Jesus, not, let alone a whole village come to know Christ, but many Samaritans from the village ended up believing in Jesus. Why? Because of one woman who had influence. One unlikely woman who said, Jesus told me everything I did. When they came out to see Jesus, they begged him to stay in their village, and he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Who did God use? Not an Instagram star, not a professional athlete, not a celebrity, not a content creator, just a regular, ordinary, everyday, broken, sinful woman who had been transformed by Jesus. You have influence exactly where you are. And you don't have to have it 
your whole life together to have influence. Please feel this. Please feel this, that you are an influencer, that you have no idea what that one word of encouragement, one expression of love can mean to someone who needs a very small touch of God's love. So when you greet people, when they come into church and helps, and you help someone who's uncomfortable and nervous and they just go away feeling your love, you're an influencer. When you listen to someone who's hurting at work and you represent the love of Jesus by not judging where they are, but loving them simply because they are. You're an influencer. When you post a scripture, repost a sermon clip, you could influence someone on the other side of the world that you don't even know. Just by the way that you worship, by the way you carry yourself, by the way you are and whose you are, you can be an influence. Don't let culture's definition rob you from God's calling. If you know Jesus, you are salt and you are light. Let salt do what it does and let your light shine because God has created you to influence others to the love of Jesus. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come now. When I was listing the, the people that have influenced me to, to do what I'm doing and I left a key person off, some of you may be aware that just shy of a year and a half ago, we lost our daughter, Sophie. And it broke us. It was the lowest point of our entire being. We were broken, just messy people at that time. We were literally at the lowest of the low. And, but a weird thing kept happening as we, we journeyed through it and we continued to journey through it. We keep hearing stories, lovely, beautiful stories about how we have influenced other people, whether it be to the hospital staff, whether it be to those who attended Sophie's funeral, to those actually here surrounding us tonight, part of our community, part of our congregation, those who are watching at home. We kept hearing about how we were influencing these people, how they were seeing Jesus in, in the midst of our lowness. And I say we because I mean Bernie, Vika, and Sophie. One of the key people and why I am doing what I am doing and why I feel pushed to, to share this way that I'm so passionate about the life of this church is because of my daughter Sophie who pushes me. That her short little life was such a light and it glowed so bright. Put, fuels my fire to get this out there that we need to start now that we don't know how long we have we don't know how many second chances we have we are called to be salt we're called to be light and it can start right now it's worth taking the risk i was thinking before just as rob was doing the notice about david pierce and david pierce is a, is a wonderful powerful evangelist incredible speaker and over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how you are invited and how you are invaluable. And tonight we've talked about how you are influential. What a great opportunity to maybe bring that one person you've been thinking about along to church or even to strike up a conversation about. But this week, my prayer is that something would stoke up inside of you, that you would be motivated, that you would be influenced to want to shine some light and share some salt where you can.
So why don't you stand with me as we pray tonight and we're going to go into the next thing, but let's stand. Lord, I thank you for what it is you are doing in the hearts of our people here in this place tonight. I know you are at work. Lord, I pray that this message sinks deep, that it takes root, that people leave here knowing that they have influence, that they are an influencer. No matter how messed up or broken they may feel that they are, you love them, you call them, they are invaluable to you, and they have influence for you and for your kingdom. Pour over them, Lord, I pray. Protect them, guide them, lead them in your ways, I pray. Thank you for this beautiful time together and bless each and every single one of them in your holy and mighty name. Amen.